0: Hello and welcome to another fun episode of the Lewis and Kyle Show, an interview podcast featuring conversations with fascinating entrepreneurs, investors, and experts in a huge variety of topics. Today, I had the pleasure of chatting with Matt Ranta, who is a partner and the head of practice in the areas of digital and e-commerce at a IT consulting and IT services firm called Nimble Gravity. Nimble Gravity specializes in data science, digital transformation, and e-commerce strategy. And like I said, Matt is a partner there and a head of some of those subdomains. In this conversation, we discuss Matt's career in e-commerce and how that led him to his present role at this IT consulting services firm. We discuss how they at the company and how Matt personally finds clients to bring in to the consulting company and to the professional services business more generally. We discuss the value of keeping in touch with previous employers. And if you are a longtime listener of the Lewis and Kyle show, or even if you've listened to like 10 minutes of the show you'll probably have gathered that we will have covered a whole lot more. We always get into more than say we get into in the introduction. This was a super fun conversation. Thank you to Matt for coming on the show. And I'm excited for you all to listen to it. So without any more from me, I'm going to switch over to this conversation with Matt Ranta right now. Enjoy. Matt, welcome to the podcast. I think we have a lot to chat about today. Very, very excited for this.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on Lewis. Really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to the conversation and a uh, fan of the show. So.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you, I was looking through your LinkedIn and you've had a, quite a long career in kind of these various domains of e-commerce data and analytics. And then you, know, you had a, quite a long career in terms of doing this for companies, but there was a certain point when you went to independence, mm-hmm. what was the decision to go independence and how did you go about getting your first projects and clients? Doing the skills you're doing professionally in a more traditional capacity on your own
1: oh (laughs) that's a that's an interesting story and one that um i have both fond memories of as well as um maybe a, a regret about which i'll describe i had consulted a little bit um previously while employed um you know kind of doing some things on the side for companies here and there uh, over the course of my career, but when I finally made the decision to go off on my own, I was about to change from one job to another. And I had a conversation with somebody who was asking me to do some freelance consulting work. And I was like, oh, listen, I don't really think that right now I can take the time to actually do that. I'm leaving one job and starting another and it's going to be. You know, craziness when I start a new job with the fire hose of information and learning a new company and these kinds of things. And that person was, you know, gracious and understanding about that fact, and said, "Well, hey, you, you know, you ought to call a friend of ours and and let him know that you're uh, about to transition." And I was like, "Okay, you know, great idea." So I know that the, the individual that he wanted me to connect with is like super busy. And so I was like, he's not going to pick up a call. He's probably in a meeting. I'm just going to text this guy and say, hey, you know, just wanted to let you know I'm about to transition from one role to another. thought it was important that you were aware so that, um, you know, if you wanted to reach out or, or whatever, that, that you could. No, it's really interesting that
0: how things started out in terms of this unexpected text to that guy uh, who was, you know, a former boss. But is that now like a piece of advice that you give kind of standard to people? Just like I imagine in, in the leadership position that you're in, that people come to you for career advice, kind of in I mean, the sense that I am as well. Is that like something that you now tell everyone that they should do? Like whenever you're changing jobs, whenever you're looking at jobs, just like just just reach out to like old employers. Like what is that part of your procedure now that that kind of, and it wasn't on your radar to reach out to them in the first place, but now that it has happened, like now that that is an experience you've had, is that something you think? That you're prescriptive about?
1: You know, I haven't, I haven't had a lot of opportunities to to recommend that to people. um, Or, you know, did I ever think of doing it in the last job search that I was in, uh, simply with that individual, just because I didn't think uh, that their role would um, provide that opportunity, but it, it wound up that it did. But in general, yeah, that's a great idea, right? To to reach out to people that you've worked with in the past and and let them know that you're transitioning or wanting to transition. And especially if they've moved on somewhere else as well, right? They know who you are. They know your working style. They know your skills and your strengths. And they're going to be able to either see if there's a place that they have for you or perhaps recommend something for you inside of another organization where they know there's a need that you could match for right? So yeah, that's a great thing to, to think of and do. Is there any particular reason why you think he was right off the bat,
0: ready for you to come in as a consultant instead of just trying to hire you? Like, why did, was that his initial idea? So they've actually just come work for me instead, but not in a traditional athlete.
1: Yeah. So the particular organization that that individual works for, they work with a lot of external consulting, uh, organizations. And so it's a, a very regular practice for them. And that actually was a part of the conversation that, uh, it, it could mean that after a period of time, that there would be an opportunity, uh, within his organization for me to work for them directly. Uh, however, you know, between that, you know, potentially occurring and the start of things. Uh, the, the fact that I joined Nibble Gravity happened, right? And, and so, okay. uh, that kind of, um, interrupted that opportunity perhaps to continue exploring the possibility of becoming a full-time employee for him at some point in time. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Let's talk now about what Nimble Gravity is and what they do and how you kind of started there. Cause I, I think I understand kind of that. as it's a bit of an aqua hire, but I don't fully know the
1: situation. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a, a, a fair way of putting it. I'll back up and, and answer the first part of that question. You know, who is nimble gravity? What, do, what do we do? And the easiest uh, way to, way to put that is that we're a consultancy that's passionate about the power of data. Uh, and we work in several different spaces and those are data science, e-commerce, digital transformation, analytics, engineering and strategy. And as the head of practice for e-commerce and digital transformation, you know, the conversation, when I came into the business and the, you know, fact has remained that, um, is that it's my practice to, to run and to grow and, and to build and to make the decisions around, um, when we should hire another resource, what jobs we should, we should take on and not take on. Uh, and, and how to do everything uh, as far as growing my individual practice goes. So it's remained highly similar to um, being, you know, a solopreneur or being, you know, the CEO of your own business, the founder uh, of your own business. What it's removed for me are things that weren't a tough one to deal with anyway. Quite honestly, like office. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like you know, when you when you strike out on your own, there's all these things that you have to, you have to do, right? Like you have to figure out, okay, well, do I need, you know, small business insurance? Uh, how do I write an SOW and what is, what are all those sections that it needs? Uh, do I have my own lawyer? Uh, what do I need to do about my own healthcare? And, and like all those kinds of things. And so by joining with a company that was already moving beyond those things and then hired some folks to kind of handle the back office stuff like you're talking about, it relieved some of that, you know, entrepreneurial stress, quite honestly, uh, from my life. And it's allowed me to focus a lot more on the things that I'm really good at. And that was part of my decision, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm versed in growing businesses. I know how to go out and do outreach and, and find clients and these kinds of things. And so that to me was a great appeal in why I actually wanted to go ahead and go through, you know, joining forces so
0: yeah inside of your domain of expertise like what are the actual things that you like sit down and have client work that like you're most excited about like this is like your highest type of contract like a business that needs help with x is like you're going to be the guy to jump in for that type of project within nimble gravity
1: yeah that, that's a great question and, and a really interesting one um, so the, the short answer is it all depends on the resources that are available at the time a client comes knocking, right? And, um, whether we want to take on that, that work or not. So an example of that could be, um, somebody comes and says, Hey, we need hands on keyboard for uh, digital marketing help. And I need somebody setting up paid search campaigns and or, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, whatever it might be and can you guys do that and so then there's the you know the kind of immediate processing in your head and realization of your resources or you know maybe a moment where you're saying yeah let me go back and look at everything and uh, i'll reach back out to you with a proposal and it's whatever it is is you're doing some kind of resource review and understanding you know what you have available and if it were an important enough client and they came knocking for that digital marketing stuff, even though I have a couple people that could do that, if they were taxed and completely full with 40 hours worth of work, I would take it, right? I would still take it because I would have my personal capacity to give to that.
0: Yeah, we got uh, separate by technical difficulties for half seconds. We're just going to jump this right in. I was saying how I love the market research part of marketing and the opportunities exploration part of marketing and yeah. doing competitive analysis in terms of like, I mean, there's a whole checklist in terms of marketing strategies. There's something I actually discovered totally. for for my business that one of the main problems that we want to solve and maybe this is something we'll chat about for a few minutes after is like uh, conversion APIs. We want to do like version API, like configuration for people, mm-hmm. basically like filling, kind of playing on like the, uh, iOS 14 Meta Trends in terms of like attribution and playing yep. that game. And maybe I'll just have to get this set up before I release this episode, just so I get up a few weeks to enjoy the, uh, the arbitrage. But I'm just, I just found out, right. That's like, there's absolutely no one bidding on like, how do I set up my Facebook conversion API on Google? And right. I'm like, that is exactly the type of project we want right now. And like, yep. no one's bidding on that on Google, but I'm like, I can't stop all the other things I'm responsible for in terms of like my outbound and my prospecting and my LinkedIn and like, the pipeline, the stuff in the proposal. But I'm like, I just found this. Someone go, go do that. Go set that up for me, please. Like that's the, the, the bids are cheap. Like go do that. And uh, it's really cool that like, you basically can kind of have a brand come across your desk and like, think about it and be like, these are like eight things that you should probably be doing like right now. But I'm really good at that. And then I'm just really not good at like putting my butt in the chair and closing all, all the social media and the texts and like not being in brainstorm mode and like, making a landing page, filming an ad. Well, I don't need to film an ad here, but <laughs> writing ad copy, setting up Google ads, and like right, ex- all the stuff, stuff like that. So that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's a lot of fun and it, it poses interesting challenges too, right? Like you might find a keyword that a business sh- you would think should be bidding on and you're like, what's this going on? Like, why is this candle business not bidding on beeswax, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you're a, you're a candle making supplies company that doesn't bid on beeswax. And so then you then you start have to asking yourself questions of like, well, what do they have going on budgetarily? Did they, you know, did they used to bid on that and they, they cut it out because it spins too much or it doesn't actually bring them customers, even though there are 15 other candle making supply companies bidding on it like you have to dig a little bit deeper. And sometimes you get the opportunity to with diligence where you do have access to the the company or their analytics or whatever. And you can see historically what has happened. And other times you don't, and you might go into a scenario where then you're talking to them about value creation after the acquisition has occurred. And you come to find out, yeah, we killed our entire budget. And, and that's why you're not seeing us bidding on the keywords that, you know, would make a lot of sense. And so that can then change the the profile of what you're doing. But I think that execution thing that you're talking about is super interesting. And I, I had a conversation with another gentleman recently, where he was like, most people don't execute. And that's the difference between people who, you know, really grow something and those that don't. And it doesn't mean that you individually have to execute if you're not if you're an ideas guy, right? But you should partner yourself with somebody who is going to execute. Is well, going that's fortunately my, my
0: business partner does all the client work. So there you that's go, the, that's right? the good news. Like, he finishes yeah. to do his to do list every day. I add twenty five things to my to do list more than I started at the end of every day.
1: Yep, it's yeah. like
0: it grows over time, and his like consistently goes down to zero. Yeah, different styles, but I need someone like him on the marketing team too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. And we have people like that as well that go out and like, we'll run through and do a UI, UX audit, look at like 300 different things on somebody's website and create a whole list of things that they can do. And the company goes, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. Can you help us? And we say, you bet. And then we bring in, you know, our our developers, our programmers, our UI, UX designers, those kinds of things and put them to work and and helping to carry forward from from an audit point or something like that. Yeah, makes sense. In terms of the actual client acquisition
0: piece of this business, I get the impression, right, that there's you and your other executive team, you know, yep. you're, like you said, industry veterans, decades of combined experience, likely many substantial jobs in these really positions. And then of course, just what happens when you're on a team for several years, then everyone from that team goes to other companies and then remembers you're the expert. And that's kind of like a, a healthy end on funnel. I was just going to say, what do you say to it, like a young person who's just kind of like, I have a lot of these skills now, but I don't have like the decades of experience in terms of like relationships. Like, do you still have like traditional outbound methods of acquiring clients? Is that still a big part of this business? And, and I guess also, how do you manage that with breadth? Because that's something that's been a, a big challenge for us that I'm sounding like isn't a challenge for you. Like, I feel like I've come to people and been like, anything digital, anything Mark tech, anything data analytics, like, trust me, we can get it done. And for me, that's not like a compelling sales pitch because it's like, okay, I'm not going to take your word for it. Versus if let's say they do HubSpot and I'm like, oh, I know the HubSpot analytical expert. Here's a HubSpot dashboard I built. Look at this HubSpot stuff. And they're like, perfect. So let's, let's get you hired. So how does your business like reconcile, in my opinion, the, it's not super appealing to be like, we do everything because then people just don't really believe you because it's like, well, is that not a problem that you face? And then also like, if, how do you choose who to prospect for outbound when you say, you know, we do these six different things?
1: Right, right. So, Typically in the, in the sales process, uh, I wouldn't talk about all six things, right? Like I'll describe the six things in a conversation like this or in a, you know, a social gathering or something like that. But if I'm actually trying to do some prospecting and trying to sell and trying to win a new client, I'm talking to them about my practices. I'm talking to them about e-commerce or digital transformation. And I'll do that in the, you know, in the frame of understanding what they need, right? Like, I'm not going to talk to somebody who's running a, an operating highly digital business about digital transformation. I'm going to talk to them about e-commerce or growth marketing or those kinds of things, right? If it's a organization that is a little bit older, maybe they still do, you know, 90% field sales and they're trying to grow their, their B2B e-commerce or whatever it might be. Then in that instance, we start talking about transformers, transformation and, and digital transformation and what we can do there. And same goes for like what we're doing prospecting wise, right? Like the message is very, if it's cold outreach, if it's an email or something like that, the message is very tailored to a practice and very tailored to the people that we're trying to reach, right? We're not going to the CEO and saying, Hey, would you like to, you know, pick one of these six things and work with us, we're going to the director of analytics and saying, hey, we noticed on your website that you don't even have Google Analytics for up and running yet. And guess what, in four months, uh, it's going away. And it, the time to act is now to get that up and running and, and collect data on both platforms so you can make sure that you've got everything configured correctly. And we've done that for you know 52 other clients. Can we help you out, right? And very specific tailored message to those kinds of individuals. Then, you know, to kind of rewind into your question a little bit around like network and and these kinds of things and how do you maybe grow it if you've got good knowledge and experience, but you don't have the years of building a huge network, right? So the first thing I'll say is, yeah, a, a big network is important in a consulting business, uh, in any kind of services business, right? Uh, and, unless you're very tailored or, or very much a, you know, kind of generic accounting business or something like that, that could do, uh, outsourced accounting for any kind of business, right? So having that, that large network of contacts is fantastic. And any way you can build that. Is great. Can you build it doing podcasting and meeting people? Can you build it hosting events and getting connected with everybody? Can you build it going to events and being an active networker while you're at those events, not talking to the same people that you always talk to, not, you know, not hanging out with coworkers, but really getting out and kind of introducing yourself and, and meeting others. Right. So it is, it is a critical thing because in any. Consulting business or you know a specialty services business, a lot of it does rely on relationships and referrals. You talk to any agency owner, and a ton of their business comes in that way, right? And and it comes from somebody they used to work with, somebody they know, somebody they worked with at one company that moved to another, like you said. So super important. And then, what would I do as you know? a younger individual who's looking to grow a business and and trying to to prospect in and all these different ways is I would test like crazy, right and and figure those things out. Like we're honestly doing that. We're sponsoring networking groups. We're hosting uh, parties. We are trying outreach uh, across multiple practices. Uh, we're reaching out to our existing contacts in our networks and and doing all of this. And I think that that's a a really important thing. And then finally, kind of getting into the like, you know, how do we then maybe move from one practice to another and and kind of build what we do with an individual client is we're actively listening when we're in our conversations with a client, right? And we're we're figuring things out. Like if if we're getting in and we're doing a a UI UX analysis, analysis, some of the things that we're looking at directly relate to analytics. Right? Are you capturing hover state information? Are you capturing scroll depth? Are you capturing, you know, whether or not people that are visiting your site are coming in with an ad blocker? Like, what are all these kinds of things that might create different experiences, and what data do you have about them? And so. That then gets us into a scenario where we might see the whole analytics stack and we can say, oh gosh, these guys have got some foundational challenges or they don't have GA4 yet or or whatever it might be. And then we can talk to them uh, about that. And it's kind of a land and expand approach from a a selling uh, format. And you can do that on Any one of the, the businesses where you've, where you've built trust with somebody about what you're doing, but you have to go in with a singular point and, and then build out from there. Rarely do we get an engagement from a cold source that would be multiple practices. Those typically will only initiate in multiple practices if it's a warm referral uh, or a past client,
0: right? That makes a ton of sense. That's been one of the lessons I've been learning. You can say the hard way or the past several months is basically, you know, trying to sell like a retainer for what we want to sell, you know, day one, right? Like the first emails like, Hey, you know, most businesses like this one don't have this done well. Can we do it for you? And it's like a large project yeah. What we've basically been realizing is like, no, we need to take that exact strategy of like, this is one specific problem that we are almost certain. This is one fairly small, fairly straightforward, like couple week long project to fix level-specific problem you have, low ticket, and then literally the the secret or secret, whatever, right, is just getting behind the scenes of the business. Like, because one thing that's continuing to blow my mind, I think that one thing I think my generation or just young people don't realize in general is to the extent that a lot of the world is chaotic and disorganized. Kind of like to the extent like every business, like what you're saying about the candle company with beeswax, like it is almost impossible that you're going to enter a business where you're not going to just find like a couple of things that are just un- like seemingly unbelievable that they have not yet taken care of. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, I used to work for Mercedes-Benz and like what does the person think of when they hear Mercedes-Benz, right? They think like luxury, high tech, top know. class, whatever. And like I worked at like the corporate headquarters there and it you know, was very surprised to see like when I get there, it's like, you know, I don't think they knew what a Google sheet was. You know what I mean? Or like right. everything was Excel. I mean, everything with the cars, tremendous right like unbelievably high tech in terms of the manufacturing and tech and that was amazing but just in terms of like mercedes-benz they're just like you know printing out resumes highlighting them and like that's recruiting you know what i mean and it blows in like every company i've gone on to work for has been still behind the scenes like whoa like someone's got this great (laughs) curated whatever but then behind the scenes you're like this specific piece is just like really and yeah it's just because the complexity of the world is just so humongous, right? I mean, it's just like, there's infinite things that a business could be doing that they just don't have the headspace to think about. Right. There's almost always some low-hanging fruit for improvements. Yeah. And especially when, again, if no one on this team is analytics nerd or a marketing nerd or whatever, to the same extent that you are, specifically in that domain, you're just going to continue to find something. So that's what we've been learning is like, like you said, land and expand. I'm going to use that all the uh. time now. New catchphrase, everybody. This is the <laughs> moment where it entered my vocabulary, but- Getting behind the scenes, building trust with the business, oh, to having the having win, and then being like, while we're here, let's discuss these ancillary things.
1: Yep. Yep. 100%. Yeah. It's super interesting. I, I found the same thing. Right. And then the other part of that is, is like being willing to partner within your own space too. Right. Like you and I were talking, and now I know that you do work and looker. We don't do work and looker. And you know, next time I have a client that says, "Hey, you know, we need some looker reports." Guess who I'm going to ping in LinkedIn and say, "Hey, do you have capacity to to help with this, so, Right? And and then you know, maybe that turns into you run into somebody who needs help building an engineering team, and you haven't done that, and we have, we a, have a, a bunch staff of times capacity
0: yet. We do not have people to tap,
1: <laughs> right? And yeah, and so like you can you can help each other build your business that way and, and help even a client with, with something that doesn't necessarily sit within the realm of what your business does day to day, but you just got to be willing and not afraid that like, Oh, they're going to steal the client or, or whatever. Right. Like you just got to be a little bit brave and a little bit, you know, friendly. So.
0: Yeah. I'm in a, a mastermind of agency owners and it's very similar persona to myself. Like most of them are pretty young guys. And, uh, one of the only technical firms in there, but there's so many businesses in there that do like the exact same thing and mm-hmm. you know we'll get on the call and, like because it's like a group coaching group strategy type setup yeah and like the first thing they say every like week one day when we join is like you need to learn the abundance mentality like that is just what you have to learn like there's just yep. enough people around for everybody there's not enough, enough. To- it's like you know you're both trying to do hubspot for early stage startups it's like how many clients do you have right now five if you if i gave you 25 clients would you be at capacity yes Okay, there's two of you here, so there's fifty. How many well-funded early stage startups are there? I don't know, several thousand. It's like guys, like yeah it's it's a big enough pie, and like you're gonna help each other. yep, and then it's and learning this it's it's fun it's uh I'm learning a lot from it. yeah, nice. so as far as like growth hacking, I know this is like specifically in your area of expertise, and I know when you're talking about e-commerce, that might be like a different definition than the kind of prototypical listener to this podcast has. Cause maybe that's like the Shopify drop shipping is what comes to mind for them. Whereas mm-hmm. you might be like established brand that existed even before the internet in like e-commerce for like, you're talking about the electronics company, which is like, you know, yeah. two and a half million SKUs. And that's a very different mental picture of e-commerce. So when I ask you this question, you can kind of contextualize it to what specifically maybe, but maybe it is broader. Like sure. what are the quick wins you usually find? Like when you are working with an e-commerce brand from like a growth consulting perspective, like, what do you almost always see? It's like, like the the quick checklist of like, I'm going to look at these things because there's probably opportunities hiding here, 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 and here.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Uh, and I don't think that this matters quite honestly, whether you're on Shopify, Squarespace, big commerce, Adobe, or whatever, like what a, a homegrown platform, right? Like, don't think it matters. Like some of the very first things I do, whether it's in a diligence process or whether it's like if I were going to sit down and and be the the operator in a business i'm going to go straight to page speed.web.dev and figure out like is this website passing core web vitals and what performance challenges do they have like how fast is the page loading all of these kinds of things and the reason i'm going to do that is twofold one Improvements there improve your SEO because they are ranking factors for like page speed and, and these kinds of things, and that will drive more money. And then the other one of those factors is that just the user experience, like of being faster, leads to conversion rate increases, and that's a proven set of facts. Research done by Deloitte and Google, like I'm not making that up. You increase your Page speed by 100 milliseconds, and you can get up to an eight percent increase in your conversion rate. And so, if you look at somebody whose page load speed is super slow, and they have an opportunity to, you know, increase by five hundred, a thousand, like whatever it might be, all of a sudden you're talking about massive potential impacts on your conversion rate, right? And the great thing about that is it'll immediately tell you, listen, you've got all of your images in the wrong format; they're all in old GIF and JPEG, and sorry, like you know, WebP is now the new format or AVIF. And both of those will cut in half the image size, right? It'll tell you you have blocking JavaScript, right? It'll immediately give you opportunities that you can go talk about with your product and engineering team and how they can go ahead and increase page speed. I'm also going to go look at the content structure of a website too, and understand how that is set up. Because no matter how you're content is set up and what your content is, is it product content? Is it, you know, articles and um, white papers and things like that? You have to have that all surfaced well. And uh, this is like a UI UX thing. It's a best practice not to have anything be more than three clicks away. Guess what? Also, spiders don't dig that deep into a website. They're not going to follow like 50 links to get to an article that you wrote uh, two years ago that might be super relevant still if you don't have pagination, if you aren't surfacing it, or if you aren't interlinking it in in other articles and making it very easy for either people or crawlers to get to, and I've literally seen both of those things like I've seen people that have content forty and fifty clicks deep, and not just like one company, like hundreds of companies, yeah. darn near every single company i I look at like it's more likely that people are failing Core Web Vitals and have some kind of speed and performance challenge than it is that they're passing and have a really high ranking, like guaranteed, right? And then there's other things too that like, you know, this is going to go back to that execution comment that that we were having, right? So look at SEO and with SEO, there's more than 200 ranking factors, right? So if most people don't execute and... You're working on your website and you're just like, we took care of the top twenty, right? Like we've got good URL structures, we've got good natural uh language, we've got good keywords. Um, all of our technical SEO is is going pretty well. You know, our page speed is is good. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna focus on these other things, right? Wrong. Like that's <laughs> like you're you're leaving money on the table, right? Like that's an opportunity to move above somebody. So if you both have those, those 20 or those 50 ranking factors you know, addressed, the guy that goes and does five more or 10 more or the next 50 or whatever, that's the person that's going to rank higher on the page. And whether that's putting descriptions in your alt image tags or it's going and disavowing bad backlinks or, or whatever it might be, you've got to go do those things. And you've got to be willing Is either a business or an individual inside of a business to dedicate your time to to doing all those kinds of things yeah
0: where the value of a firm is saying pointing them out and offering to see through a, a team that can get them done as well it's like
1: totally totally so,
0: yeah no, that's really cool and that was just i think you had really detailed on like a small number of things there, and i'm sure there's like another laundry list you're like even just you know just with an seo and just within site speed, there's like an infinite, not infinite, but a long list of things that are almost guaranteed going to be quick wins if you go through like the entire checklist.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't want to plug myself, but I've got an article about the 10 things that I've seen the most.
0: Plug, plug, the, <laughs> plug the article. I mean, if someone's like, listening this far, it's because they're they are interested in this specific uh, type of stuff. So yeah, they got just, some solid context.
1: It's an article on, it, you yeah, know, it's on my LinkedIn. It's on our website, nimblegravity.com. It's 10, 10 things you can do to improve performance on your website. Essentially, that's not the exact title, but you'll find it if you look for it. And it's, it's those things that I was just talking about. It's, you know, being better at email programs. It's not falling into the trap of, Hey, my customers aren't on that social platform. Guess what? Grandma is on TikTok. So like she might not be 50% of the people that are there or grandpa might not be, but whoever, like whatever demographic, whatever gender, whatever anything you're going after, they are on those platforms too. And don't discount them because you're discounting an opportunity to make money.
0: Just people not appreciating the scale of the internet. Totally. Is what comes, that's like another fundamental kind of just like thing of modern entrepreneurship. I want to do a couple rapid fire bonus questions and then okay. we'll wrap it up. Have you considered doing... I'm going to impose the word micro, maybe it's inappropriate to use the word micro, but like micro digital private equity yourself, just because you have the skill sets so like perusing like a flip lot or perusing like empire flippers because you have this domain expertise and like going through audit, doing your own due diligence and buying and flipping websites that do have like solid fundamentals with like an easy like two to three weekends worth of uh, quick wins to just like buy and flip or hold as like a, a passive asset. Because I know that's like a popular thing that people do and
1: yeah, I I have looked at that in the past. Um, it's never been something that I felt like I could turn a huge profit at, unless I dedicated myself to it, right? Like, and for free time kind of stuff, I I don't think I'm going to focus on that. Versus, and this is me individually. Like, I'd rather be out in the mountains playing soccer, uh, doing something with my family. But it's a great strategy, totally viable, uh, and tons of places to do it. I just haven't considered. That is something for me.
0: We've considered it and you've prioritized other things. Sure, basically. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. that yeah. makes sense. That
0: makes sense. We discussed that at the very beginning and we started out with a very serendipitous story, but I'm curious if there's like an additional one in terms of like an unexpected, whether it's like, let's, let's, let's constrain it to like a breakfast meeting, like an AM appointment that unexpectedly ended up being really transformational or important. Like you met someone and it ended up being key, you know, like kind of just started out as like a innocuous, like there was no build up to it. It's just like, oh, a random breakfast that ended up being substantially important or interesting and like altering the course of a path.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it, I don't know if there was a a breakfast or 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 anything. Yeah. Anything like that. I'm, I'm trying to, to think of a, of a moment that occurred like that. And for me individually, it wasn't necessarily with another person. It was during a, a job transition and it was when I was moving from Cricket Wireless to aero Electronics, I had been a, a senior manager while I was at, at Cricket, and I'd gotten passed over for a director position. Uh, they gave it to another senior manager in, in, in our group, and it wasn't for any real reason other than probably relationship, quite honestly. Because we were both skilled in, in different areas. Uh, I was a little bit probably more skilled in, in the exact role that was, was being given. But I hadn't been at the company that long. The other individual had. And you know, if the other individual happens to be listening, she did a fabulous job in her position and was by all means the right person for it, right? Like there wasn't anything ill will there or anything. But I kind of made a decision after I left cricket and while I was moving into ERA that I was gonna work on building relationships, one, to be stronger, and two, that I was gonna not hold myself back. Like I wasn't gonna edit myself. I was gonna say what I really thought of things. I was gonna be opinionated. I wasn't gonna be kind of a, a super reserved individual that I had been. And that moment for me, I think accelerated my career quite a bit, right? When I, when I made that decision to, to behave in a little bit different way and to focus more on the relationship aspects and work versus just the, Hey, I do a good job and I execute well, and that's all I need to do for this company. Right. Yeah. And, um, uh, great moment for me.
0: Yeah. I can't think of a better word, but I guess like I don't want to say childish, but in terms of like, it's, it's like such an easy and seductive belief to be like, the most important thing is merit. And right. it's, it's a very seductive belief because it's super logical and it's super easy and it's super simple. The most important thing is merit. I'm the best at this thing. But that's just not, doesn't map to reality really well. Or like, yeah. it, does, it just doesn't map accurately. That's yeah. just not, maybe there's like a couple companies of like, I don't know, like finance, maybe. I'm still making it up though. I think like, it's hard to think of a, a situation where you're going to be Serve, not well served by not just being like, I'm the IC, I'm the best individual contributor on this team. Nothing else matters.
1: Totally. It's those SEO ranking factors, right? Like it's your personal, exactly. es- it's your personal SEO. If you both ex- execute really well, but that other person's built more relationships, guess who wins? The other it's person. Like,
0: yeah. I, you know, one thing I think about with SEO is like book summaries, right? Because I have a couple of articles that rank and. That's something yep. I've looked up free. That was like one of the first things that I was caring about when I like also was learning about SEO. And it's like all the same guys rank for the like the first five books. Right. And it's like you look up, I don't know, let's look at this bookshelf, a super popular book like Atomic Habits. Atomic yep. Habits book summary. Right. I'm not look like the first five or the first five. I'm looking at yep. all of them and I'm gonna pick the guy like I have a relationship with. Okay? Totally. And by relationship with, I mean like I've read his reviews in the past and I know they're good. You know, they're all good. Yep. They're all on the first page. They all did everything right. It's just yep. Yep. So to try to extend yeah. the metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Oh, I think good final question here. If you're like at the beginning of your career and there's like a subset or like a specific skill to start out with among all of your skills, or like you're going to build expertise. So like, what would you say it would be like the highest value to learn from the outset? Would it be, and it, you, it, I'm just going to give some sample options. You can give something completely separate as well. But would it be like marketing and ad buying and copywriting? It's so like actually the creative, like being able to like generate creative, would it be the analytics? Would it be like the technical, so like the the GA4, the programming, the site tagging, the like actual developer work? Or like in this in, in the sphere of like your practice? Uh or would it be I guess the keyword research and strategy, or would there be some other thing? Like where would you start first?
1: Yeah, so so I'll give you two different answers. Um from just like a pure technical skill standpoint, what I would say um, you should either pick analytics or um, paid performance marketing of some kind, whether that's paid search, Google ads, or, you know, uh, social commerce, uh, social advertising, that kind of thing. Because I think they're going to give you a great foundation in what really impacts like an e-commerce business and, and how they how they drive growth. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun and, and give you uh, an area of specialty. But the other piece of advice that I would give somebody in that uh, stage of their career is really truly learn what your boss cares about and what they are driven by and also who your bosses, you know, bosses are and what they care about, right? Like in an entry-level position, you probably aren't frequently thinking about the CEO of a public company cares about earnings per share, because he's got to go talk to the board and the stockholders about that and how is what you're going to do going to impact earnings per share and make it better, right? And you aren't going to know what the CFO wants or, you know, the director of finance wants. And you need to learn those things. And I think far too often you find people who have moved up in their career over time who don't understand their audience when they're trying to sell something in as an initiative or when they're asking for, you know, budget to go launch a new program. Like they, they don't talk in the ways that really sell that to a C-level executive and understanding those kinds of drivers, the earlier in your career that you can will be more and more important. I think as we go into the future and start working with machines that can do a lot of the things that humans can. So you gotta, you gotta figure out how you can continue to add value and understanding what those things are and then being able to think of solutions around them is gonna keep you in the game.
0: I think those are two great answers. Matt, where can people find you? I know you probably have more than just this one essay, I imagine. Uh, if there's yeah. like additional writing and resources, then as well, the company, if there is an interest in exploring and learning more about that.
1: Yeah. The two easiest ways to to find out about me and the company are uh, both uh, either the website, www.nimblegravity.com or LinkedIn. Obviously the company's there and I'm there as Matt Ranta and I'm more than happy to connect with folks. Yeah.
0: amazing. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate the opportunity and Uh, Look forward to hearing all the shows after this.
0: That is going to close out this conversation with Matt Ranta. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you want more from the Lewis and Kyle show, make sure to subscribe wherever you are listening. So you are the first to know about the new episodes. Say hey on social media. We're pretty easy to find if you have feedback or questions or just want to chat about anything related to the podcast. And otherwise, I'll see you in about one week when the next episode comes out. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic rest of your day and I will see you there. Bye-bye.